Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony and Friends North, they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Thunder Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinny, Matt, Simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad, not your classy podcast. Watch a lot, try not to laugh. Lois rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom Ziggs, a good-looking man. Klondike Bill, make a tear. Tommy, you come over here. What happened when? WHW Monday. And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Hello, Conrad Thompson, all the ships at sea, and all you dumbasses out there. Hello, and welcome to What Happened When. Man, I'm so excited to be here. We just had a huge AEW pay-per-view over the weekend. Of course, double or nothing, AEW always delivers on pay-per-view. This was no exception. And the day before the big Saudi show and man, uh, the countdown is here. Collision is right around the corner, exciting times in AEW, but that's not what we're talking about today. Although you can see Tony Schiavone live and in person, he's coming to a town near you at AEWTIX.com. And this weekend, Tony, I'm actually going to get to see a little AEW live and in living color. AEW's coming to Huntsville, right down the street, right down the road from my home. And uh, I just know since you were my close personal friend and you have attended all of the house shows so far, and this is literally on the same road I live on, I can plan to see you this weekend. Isn't that right, Tony? What day is it on? Saturday. Saturday. Well, uh, maybe. Oh, wow. I don't know. I've got to, uh, we got a ring of honor uh, taping uh, this Sunday that is going to be in Orlando. So I got to be there for that. Oh, I can get you a flight out of here. No problem. I wouldn't. Oh, just, 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 just do TK's plane. I wouldn't do that either. Just have him, have him bring it into private aviation. I would drive it back. I would drive back to Atlanta and get the early flight out to Orlando. Odds are you, odds are you won't see me, but you'll still have a great time. I know I'm going to have a great time. A serious business. We, we have a lot of fun busting Tony's balls here on the program. Oh. If you get a chance to see an AEW television taping, you should definitely go. 
but I don't want you to think, well, I don't know if I want to go to a, a, a live event, a non-televised live event, a house rules or a house show or whatever you want to call it. If you've never done that, let me assure you, you will have more fun. You know, the television taping, you're not the target audience. They're trying to do that for the people who are watching across the globe at home, but for an arena show, a non-televised live event, man, that show is just for you and you will feel the difference. Highly recommend it. I'm not going to miss it. I got my tickets. They're going to be at the Probst arena this Saturday, AEWTIX.com. But today, Tony, we're going way back. How far back you might ask. June 4th, 1988, 35 years ago, it's season four, episode 23 of world championship wrestling. So get your peacock out, pull up world championship wrestling season four, episode 23, June 4th, 1988, Tony unlocked and loaded on my end. Of course, uh, normally we have a live studio audience and we got a guy sort of, uh, producing us that slap dick, nothing happening. Dave Silva, he is not with us today. So you and I are kicking an old school. And as such, I think we're going to have to do a rather primitive countdown. Do you want to do like a funny or silly voice or something to give us Mm -hmm. a countdown so we can press play? Right. Hi, it's Tony Schiavone, Dolphin's favorite idiot. And it's time for a countdown. What happened when? Here we go. In three, two, uno. Well, look at this. So we're seeing the road warriors and the Russians wear Mm. each other out. They were clearly doing a, uh, a bench press type contest. Yeah. Oh man. That's warlord right there. Yeah. And barbarian, uh, when that happened. Yeah. Uh, I remember something very, very well. There was a concern about the barbell falling and rolling towards the fans. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I remember us saying, oh my God, it's rolling towards, cause I was there that night. It's rolling towards the fans. And well, it didn't, it didn't hit any fans. It had the uh, safety rail there, but man, that was dangerous on and- many levels. Speaking of dangerous, listen to this theme song. World Championship Wrestling, bringing you great wrestling action sanctioned by the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. Welcome to World Championship Wrestling. Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and David Crockett ringside with the NWA, the Major League of Professional Wrestling. The summertime is here, and that can mean only one thing, the Great American Bash. It kicks off on the 26th of this month down in Orlando, Florida, the Orange County Civic Center, and the Great American Bash means, gentlemen, the best matches in the world. Now, today here on the program, all the greatest stars of our sport are right here to talk about and show you more about the Great American Bash. Talk about the matches. What about the war games, the match beyond, or a scaffold match, some of the greatest matches in the world, a bull rope match, a Russian chain match, all part this summer. But one match, Jim, I know you're particularly interested in. Well, Tony, last week I had the very unusual opportunity to spend some time with Kevin Sullivan. Always a very unusual time talking with this gentleman. But I also had the opportunity to take a little peek at the the erection of the Tower of Doom. And I will say, ladies and gentlemen, it is the most awesome uh, structure that I have ever seen in wrestling. It's going to be the most dangerous situation. A very career-threatening situation presents itself, no doubt. And, David, there could be some career-threatening situations this Wednesday night 
in Miami. And by the way, I'll be talking to Kevin Sullivan in the next couple of hours about the Tower of Doom as well. That's right. You're talking about Miami Mayhem this Wednesday night at 8.05 from the Miami Night Center. That's exactly right. Hey, listen, fans, we've got a lot of action in the ring. Let's go. Mm. Man, uh, old, old, old Mr. Crockett there, he was ready to be done. <laughs> we all perked up when JR said erection, didn't we? Dude, when he said erection, yeah, I got excited. I mean, we might need an erection t-shirt over at lowestrolls.com. We don't talk about dicks enough on this show. Tony. No, we sure don't. Hey, you know, uh, I, I do need to say that, uh, there's a, a young man that works with us, uh, and it just, a a great, great guy. He works in our production. He's, uh, really, really valuable when we are located, when we're out on the road and, uh, does a lot of great things for us. His name is Jeremy ping. And Jeremy said, you know, I sometimes just will go around and listen to different wrestling podcasts. And I, I happened to, for the first time, listen to your po podcast with Conrad. And I said, yeah, he said, well, I found out what an Alabama hot pocket was. <laughs> I said, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. That's all you got out of that wrestling podcast. He went, yep. Yeah. I said, okay, well, there you go. I'm glad to be your entertainment. How about that? Uh, that jacket you were sporting here, man. It's, it's almost like the one that I wear sometimes on rampage. That's what uh, I was going to say. It's like yeah. you, you, what you like, you like forever. Cause you're rocking a similar one these days. I couldn't help but notice, you know, the uh, Oklahoma fashion plate, Jim Ross, you know, he fancied himself as being a snappy dresser. Yeah. And he had a pocket square like he liked it. And he was double breast Jones. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that the three of you together, you had like, uh, here's all the different ways men can wear fa uh, facial hair. <laughs> JR totally smooth. You mustache only. <laughs> and of course, Mr. Crockett had the, the, uh, the beard going, uh, -huh. a goatee and we were all set. We had, a, we had them all represented. I, uh, Jr. was a, a fashion plate. He, I think Jr. I don't know if he, if he's mentioned this on his podcast, but he at one time did work for a men's store, a men's, uh, men's warehouse, right? Uh, I'm not so sure if it, would, it probably, but I'll tell you uh, this, you're going to love the way you look. <laughs> you guarantee it. Oh man. Check that chick out. Holding up the four. Uh, she had them nails working, huh? Had that hair. Like she liked it. How much mm. do you think was in that hair? Wow. It was all permed out. Probably there's another we're watching, uh, Ron Garvin really take it to old Russ Tyler mm. and, uh, he stood on his head. I mean, he's just whipping people's ass and it's clear. We, we actually made this revelation a few years ago when we were watching 1986 that, uh, to me, it's clear. At least Taz patterned a lot of his look. And, and persona in wrestling after Ron Garvin, his presentation. Right. And when I brought that up to him, he goes, who told you that? Yeah. I said, nothing. I just made an observation from watching a bunch of Ron Garvin. He's like, you're exactly right. I just, yeah. nobody's ever said that, but yeah, I mean, I, you take a look at this and you could see like when we watch ECW from 96, 97, it's similar to what we're seeing here. Yeah. It, and I, I talked to Taz about that. Cause I remember you talking about that and he went on to tell me about, you know, how much he. He loved Ron Garvin and, and how he approached his work in the ring. And Ron was a legit, one of those legitimate tough guys, you know?
And that's what's cool is he was able to convey that where everyone who saw him would say the same thing. Oh, he's a legit badass. Yeah. But candidly, he's also not the biggest guy. Right. So I'm sure the real life Taz thought, Hey, that's me. Right. I'm not be the biggest guy, but nobody's going to deny that I'm a badass. Uh, so he patterned it after it and boy, did it work, man. There's some good looking ladies here. What this is one of the dumbest finishers in all of wrestling. Is it not mm. the carbon stomp? It's dumb, but you know what? No one else did it. No, I agree with that, yeah. but that's uh that's a silly reason to, to do anything. Well, I did it because nobody else has done it. Well, you know what? There's, there's no in wrestling, everybody copies everybody and everybody now uses high spots. So what used to be finishers, DDT used to be a finish. Mm-hmm. Just a high spot that people kick out of now. So I, I, I think that you do something unique, okay, different. Like uh, the uh, the best friends do the soul food half and half, mm-hmm. where they you know use. The, I'm all for it. Hey, I saw something over the weekend uh, or a couple of weekends ago. You know, I went to see Big Booty Judy's debut. I remember you said you were coming and you didn't. Uh, mm. We're familiar with that, but I saw something I'd never seen before, and I want to tell you about it, but. I'm going to do it on the other side. Cause as I understand it, after this replay, we're going to hear from an out of breath, Ronnie Garvin, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping just a couple of years later, he will sneak in that he's proud to be an American. I hope so too. Cause it just tickles me his enunciation. And then the relying on that. Here we go. Former world heavyweight champion. And without a doubt, the most sadistic wrestler in the world. Well, I don't expect anybody to walk in that ring and be nice and gentle with my body. So when you wrestle Ronnie Garvin and you're not prepared, well, you got a surprise coming. Say, this is ain't no picnic. This is ain't no kid's game. If you ain't man enough to take it, when I get a beating, I take it like a man. You don't hear me complain. Come out here, knock me around, beat the heck out of me. It don't matter. You say, but it's not easy. Because I came up the hard way. Now we got the great American bashers coming up. That's right. Well, you got a lot of people doing a lot of talking. Everybody can talk a fight. Fighting a fight is a different story. Now we're going to find out the great American bash. If you did your homework. Homework, I mean, get to the gym and work out. Stay in shape. And quit complaining. And think about making money. Because the great American bash is probably the most money your wrestlers are ever going to make. Because I know I will. And I'm going to tell you another thing, too. Losing, you don't make money. Winning, you do. So the bottom line is to go out there and win and make that money in American Bash. That's what Ronnie Garvin's going to do. All right, Ron Garvin. Listen, the great American Bash is coming your way. More action, too, right after this. Hmm. They're going to break. We'll just keep it moving here. Yeah, that was a pretty good. uh, That was actually a pretty good interview. Think about it. No doubt. Some of the things he said. Ronnie wasn't always the best interviewer, but. He talked about, I've had my ass beat and yep. I don't complain about it. And I'm here to make money. And a lot of people talk a good fight. You got to fight it in the ring. It was good. He made up a lot, brought up a lot of good points. I, and of course, here are the fantastics hugging and kissing all the girls. And we should remind everybody we're promoting clash of the champions to Miami mayhem. It's just four days after this. This is the very second clash of the champions. Of course, the first one was March 27th, 1988. It was head to head with WrestleMania four sting was a made man when it was all said and done that night here though, it's going to be a fun show in Miami, Florida at the James L night center, where you heard Mr. Crockett reference it only 2,400 fans are there but it does a 4.8 rating. 
It's Barry Windham getting a win over Brad Armstrong. Uh, Barry Windham, of course, is the U.S. heavyweight champion. The Fantastics are going to pick up a win over the Sheep Herders here for the U.S. tag team belts, or, or successfully defend them, rather. Uh, Jimmy and Ronnie Garvin are going to team up to take on the Varsity Club. we got Nikita Koloff getting ready for a singles match with Al Perez that somehow went 11 minutes. Maybe not the best idea we ever had. But in the main event, and boy, what a main event it is, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard taking on Sting and Dusty Rhodes. So this will be the second Clash of the Champions and the second time that Sting was in the main event. Clash of the Champions here is a primetime special on TBS. And at this point, after two shows, it looks like it's a promotional vehicle to help make Sting a top guy. Well, it was this was the, the make Sting era, as yeah. we know, 1988. And, you know, this unfortunately was the, the last Great American Bash tour for Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, which is sad. And I think we did, it's in the archives. I think we've already done that clash. And I think that's where Luger was beaten up by the horseman uh, with the limousine. Remember pulled it out back. Yes. And he, uh, they're all jumping out of the limo and and there's tuxedos and white shirts. And as I understand it, JJ Dillon helped him do the old zippity doodah. How about that? Are you familiar with, uh, well, I mean, you like music, right? Yeah, I love music. I love, uh, I don't, I don't care about today's music at all. I have to, I have to say, but, uh, I, f- I feel like my parents with that, but I guess every generation has that. I like seventies and eighties music. You want to guess what the number one song in the United States was, uh, here in June 4th, 1988, the episode we're watching, uh, you want to guess the artist, Michael Jackson. Uh, it's another individual singles performer. He's male. You want to do one more guess? Billy Ocean, George Michael. Oh God! One more try is the name of the uh, number one song. Mm, okay. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that one, but you know, once you got into the late '80s, you know, Let's listen to this a little bit. See if you know the beginning. I don't know that at all. Let me click around. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no disrespect to Charles Robinson, but not really my dude. Yeah, you know, it's like, again, the late 80s music to me was like almost like 90s music. When you got into the 90s, with the exception of of a few artists, I didn't really care for 90s music either. I I like the post-grunge era. Um, I I liked Collective Soul in the 90s um, and some other groups, but... uh, you know, I mean, they, that was also the '90s. Was the I know we're in the '80s, but the '90s was the, was the era of the boy bands like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Yeah. And, and your daughter loved that shit. Oh Lord of mercy! Uh, and you know, I've, I've said it many times on, and I, I have no idea where this conversation is going, but uh, Justin Timberlake can like take a flying fucking leap into a flaming pile of gasoline. Sounds hurtful. Yeah, I hope it is. What a worthless piece of shit he is. Um, anyway, uh, the eighties music was pretty cool up until that time. I mean, early, probably 84 was like the best year for music in the eighties. 85 was great too. And then everything starts changing. And I know you're a rap guy. I get that. How? I don't know, but you are. Well, I don't know. 
You don't I mean, like, uh, you don't like rap at all. Oh, there are a few things I like, but I don't listen to it. Uh, I mean, like my son Matt is about your age, a little maybe a year younger than you are, and he's like really big into country music. Hmm. I mean, he's uh, boy, is he a Garth Brooks guy? Holy smokes! Really, that's his deal. That's his deal, man. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so there's our musical taste for this episode of what happened when. Man, the Fantastics are still going. They're giving these guys a little more time than yeah. I imagined. Yeah, they are. Uh, tell me Rogers was, uh, and, and Bobby were great performers in the ring. Looked good. They just left a little bit of desire when it came to, it came to the promos. But then you could say the same thing about the Rock and Roll Express, with the exception of Ricky's fire on the promos. Robert was not a good promo, right? But uh, but they look they look really good. They were like, uh, what was the? And I should know this. What was the Stan Lane's first tag team? They wore the bow ties. Oh oh oh! Uh, fabulous ones. The fabulous ones. They were kind of a knockoff of the fabulous ones, weren't they? In a way. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, the fantastics and the fabulous ones, I, I kind of always lump in together. I would agree. Right. right. Like this, this wasn't the, the first gimmick you saw. Oh, let's listen to David here. Huh. All right. Talking about time and the total package. It's just a matter of time and you will be able to get the world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. You know, David, let me please take off these dark sunglasses. Because you see, I've been in the dark for a long, long time, Nature Boy, but not anymore. Because you see, the Great American Bash is coming up. And baby, I am getting in the finest condition of my life. I am in the gym each and every day. And you see, Nature Boy, you've made me wait a very, very long time. I've waited since Christmas. It's been months and months. And the longer you've made me wait, the matter I've gotten. And that's very bad for you. Because you see, Nature Boy, you say this summer, the Great American Bash is the best against the best. Well, baby, the bottom line is you are looking at the best. And you've avoided me for a very, very long time. And that's very bad for you because you see, the total package like Seeger has had champion written all over him from day one. I've been in the dark. I've been in the cave. I've been feeling my own. But I finally see the light. You protected yourself. You have surrounded yourself. And no more. I'm not going to be wrestling Wyndham, Blanchard, Anderson, or any of the people standing in your way. I am coming straight out you, nature boy. And I'm coming out to that door belt that you cherish so much. And you know, when you get your back to the wall, that's when you say you're at your best. And baby, I want you at your best when I take that title because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. The title package next order. Yeah. It's coming at you. And I will be the next world heavyweight champion. Let's linger in the NWA. Wrestling's best. More action to come right after this. And that was a pretty good promo. And uh, I think we should take a time out ourselves here. I'm going to stop it down at 07, Tony. 
There it is. We're going to take a time out right now to brag about something you and I both think a lot of. We talked about it off air before we clicked record today. Of course, I'm talking about Henson shaving. You know, listen, we've had a lot of great sponsors on our programs over the years, but this one stands out. I mean, we just absolutely love it. I've got everybody in my real life using this, including my barber. I just think a lot of this company and I love their story. First of all, I like that they're a family owned business. We like that sort of thing. I work with my mom and dad and cousin and my sister. And of course, Tony works with his son. So family business is cool, but even cooler is that this is not their original plan. You see Henson shaving is an aerospace parts manufacturer. Yeah. They made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover. And what they're doing is they're using their aerospace grade CNC machines to make something almost too good to be true. Metal razors that are just 0.0013 inches. And I know what you're thinking. Well, how the hell thick is that? I don't know what 0.0013 inches means. It means it's less thick than a human hair. Yeah. A human hair is thicker than your razor. What in the world? Now that is going to give you a secure and stable blade with a vibration free shave. And it gets better. The razor has built in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, no planned obsolescence. And by the way, it works with a standard old school razor. I'm talking about a dual edge blade like Ric Flair used or every wrestler ever, or your handsome ass grandfather. Now here's the difference. Oh, pop pop never found a razor this thin. Mm. This is the benefit of a new school tech, but all the benefits of an old school feel. You see, once you own a Henson razor, things get very affordable. Let me explain. If you go down to the drugstore and you try to get some replacement blades, they're going to keep it under lock and key. You're going to have to chase down an associate and ask them to unlock it. Now, why are they doing that? because it's the most expensive doggone thing in the whole store. And we're used to, if something's better, it costs more money. This is one of those rare occurrences where not only is Henson better than the razor you've been using, it's also cheaper. How cheap? How about three to five bucks? Not three to $5 a week, not three to $5 a month, not three to $5 a quarter, three to $5 a year. That's it. It's better and it's cheaper. It's Henson shaving. And we've actually got hell of a way to get started. Tell them about it, Tony. It is time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. A lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com slash WHW to pick the razor for you and use code WHW and you'll get two years. That's two years worth of razor blades free with your razor. Now, you just got to make sure you add them to your cart. All right, make sure you do that. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash W-H-W and use code W-H-W at checkout. Let's get back to the program, Tony. I'm at 1807. They're taking a commercial break here. You'll see a plug for Miami Mayhem. Uh, 1807. Here we go. In three, two, one, play. <laughs> This is a match for the NWA World TV title, the champion Mike Rotunda against Trent Knight. And as we approach the Great American Bash, 
This man, Mike Rotunda, has his work cut out for him as the world television champion. Many title defenses. Here's the game's master, Kevin Sullivan. I'd like to say one thing. Today's a very special day. It's Patty's birthday. Patty, I didn't forget your birthday at all. I've always remembered it, what day it was, and I got something for you in late auction. <laughs> I will tell you something. I spent some time with him last week, and I always enjoyed donating my time to charity. I felt like I was working with the criminally insane. Last, look at him. He is sadistic. He is sick. He is evil. This man is, and I, I tell you, he is getting caught up in the intensity. I don't think he's running on all pistons, do you? Mm -mm. Let me just say, Jim Ross is damn good at his job. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Like he just came in hard with that and it was yeah. polished and sounded well thought out. Like, That's you true. know, sometimes yeah. you run across somebody and you're like, well, that fellow, that lady, that person was just born to do this, whatever this is my man, Jim Ross. He was born to do this. He was born to be a wrestling announcer. And I just, uh, you know, his health problems during, during the later stage of his career is has been something he's fought through, but man, he is still Jr. Yes, I'm he is. Him, he is still Jr. Even when even he comes out now, he is still Jim Ross. And I told him one time, I said, "Be fucking Jr. Man, you're the man. Never forget who you were back then in the in the early two thousands and and how you helped push along the greatest era in in WWE history, wrestling history, wrestling history. Absolutely, because." I mean, you could say that Hogan's run was great, but nothing like Stone Cold's run. Hogan made Vince a, a millionaire. Austin yeah. made Vince a billionaire. Yeah, that's right. Right. And, uh, and, and down here Ross in Alabama, and I don't know what, how that works over there, but down here in Alabama, let's just, let's just compare notes here. All right. Billionaire is more than millionaire here in Alabama. Is that the same over there? Uh, last I heard it was. Okay. We might need to do some checking. I mean, if those AEW checks keep rolling in for you, we'll finally know the difference between millionaire and billionaire. <laughs> I have it on good authority that you've just negotiated a lifetime contract with Tony Khan. That is okay. That's fucking lie. Okay. Unless my life ends by April of next year. And then it's definitely <laughs> lifetime. Okay. Oh, dude, what? you're, you're, you're going to be getting a little bump ski next year. Look at you. Uh, Listen, Tony hasn't, there is no guarantee that they're going to re-sign me. What the fuck are you talking about? There, there's no guarantee on that. Oh God. I take That's how I, that's how I approach life. No guarantees. Klondike Bill told me one time, the job is a day-to-day -day thing, Tony. That's how I approach my life. The job is a day-to-day -day thing. So that's how I approach it. The Klondike Bill way. Uh, well, let me go ahead and give you a spoiler. Mm. You're getting a bump ski. Mm. I really don't think so, but it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm living a good life. I don't need a bump ski. Well, I'm going to get a hashtag going in March. Uh, he, here's your boy, Mike Rotundo. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to expect, but I know. David Crockett, it's no secret that the bastards are going on tour. And when I talked to my lawyer and told him that I was going to defend the world TV title and every one of them. He thought I was crazy. Do I look like an idiot? I'm telling you, nobody out there can take this title from me. I'm going to all the major cities. I'm putting it on the line, and I can guarantee you one thing. I'm going to be leaving with it because the Varsity Club has no fools in it. 
I'm a college graduate from Syracuse University. We got the games master. We got Steiner from Michigan, but we're not even putting him down for that. Michigan's still a good school, even though it's not Syracuse. So we're going on tour. I'm putting the title on the line. Sting, Dr. Death, Nikita, you can all come after it. But I'm telling you right now, you can't beat a member of the varsity club. The world television champion, Mike Rotunda. Let's go to the ring and see United States heavyweight champion, Barry Wyndham. Barry. Oh, goodness gracious. So uh, we got family members here. Mike Rotundo doing an interview and now Barry Wyndham in the ring, former tag team partners, around WrestleMania time, former tag team champions. And now here they are in the NWA. I love uh, the boots that we see Barry wearing there. Very iconic Austin Hall style boots. The same that you would see uh, a Dusty Rhodes wear as well. Uh, but how about those tights? Those look like they're almost superstar Billy Graham inspired. Yeah. By the way, we didn't say anything about superstar Billy Graham, but died a couple of weeks back. Love to give you the uh, the floor to share your favorite superstar thoughts. Yeah. I Well, I, I did get to work with him in the early 80s with Jim Crockett Promotions. And I remember this. First of all, let me say this as you... If you're watching with us, JJ uh, nodding, he is taking on Curtis Thompson, who was also Firebreaker Chip. Remember? Yep. Yep. So anyway, so I think I got this right. When Ric Flair got hurt in the airplane crash, they brought in superstar Billy Graham to Mid Atlantic, and I remember when he came in, the way he talked, the way he acted. I remember I just I hated him. I thought he was just a just one of those. Of course, I was a big fan back then, you know, not knowing what was real was, but I just hated superstar Billy Graham. And well, now I think about it back then, he was pretty damn good at being a heel. And of course he had a hell of a run against Bruno San Martino in New York. As we say, the WWEF, whatever, but he was a hell of a performer. And when I saw him, he came in as the Kung Fu master. Remember that? Yep. And they played. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Whoa. Yeah. Which is one of the great 80s songs, too, by the way. So, yeah. Sad to see him go. A real innovator. I mean, I don't know that Hulk Hogan or Dusty Rhodes or Ric Flair are doing what they're doing without him, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. Because of the way he, way he talked and the way he presented himself, sure, absolutely, and the way he looked too. My God, in his day, he was kind of his body was Lex Luger esque, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. In the day, I think he was the first guy to uh, really have that type of look in wrestling. Like beforehand, they all looked kind of like Bruno, you know, just this right. thick. Like I saw, I had the good fortunate of seeing Dalton castle wrestle a few weeks ago in person. Dalton castle was sort of built like an old school wrestler. Like you just know, Hey, that man, uh, he's a pro wrestler. And then Billy Graham came around and you're like, Oh, well that guy's like an action figure. Yes. That guy's like a superhero comic book physique. And that became the new norm, man. Barry Wyndham getting the win here over Curtis Thompson. Uh, JJ and Wyndham are going to be at the podium here. I think let's track it. Dun, 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 dun. All right. The United States heavyweight champion, Barry Wyndham, JJ, the situation between Barry and Dusty Rhodes 
has to come to a head. Yes, David Crockett, it does. And I feel very excited this morning, this particular <laughs> match. Every time that Barry Wyndham goes into the ring, it's almost like I'm gazing into a crystal ball and looking at the future. You know, the symbol of excellence, the four horsemen, we've said time and time again that the horsemen are the measuring stick by which all else are measured. But for the last 10 years, it was, in fact, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, that was the measuring stick. He was the one that set the standard in the world of professional wrestling. He was the legend. And for all the years that I competed myself and throughout my managerial career, he was the standard that I looked at to try and achieve. And I made it my own personal goal for the last eight years to somehow destroy the American dream so that I or someone of my choosing could take his place to be on the top. And for eight years, I've tried everything. And I've come very close on occasions, but I was never able to get it done. And I think it's almost like destiny that an athlete of his own molding would somehow step from behind his shadow, step forward and be recognized. And I see my whole future. I see the demise of the American dream. And I see greatness in front of my very eyes. The United States heavyweight champion, Barry Windham. You know, JJ, the waiting is over. Everything that you've waited for for years, you said eight years, the waiting is over. Dusty Rhodes, the United States Heavyweight Championship belongs to me. It's something you will never own again. It's something in the past. You consider yourself a legend in professional wrestling. Your legend is going to be over. You're going to be sitting at home on the front porch talking to your grandkids or your children about what you used to be. Because it's true. You may have molded me, but you have nothing to do with what I am now. The United States Heavyweight Champion. Dusty Rhodes, you can come and try to take this championship away from me at any time. But guaranteed, horseman style, it's going to stay in my camp. The United States Heavyweight Championship is something that you feel was taken away from you unjustly. But what you did knows no justification. You called yourself the Midnight Rider for so long. Everyone knew who you were, and you got away with it. You will not get away with the United States Heavyweight Championship. Barry Windham is the champion, the United States Heavyweight Champion, and the Four Horsemen. I will remain to be both for a long, long time, if not forever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard from Barry Windham. Coming on next, we're going to hear from the American Dream, Dusty. So they're going to take a break and come back, and we'll hear from Dusty. But what do you think about the way Barry threw up the four? He let all the fingers touch. I, I like to spread them out. Are you, you want them touching or you want them spread out? Ah, oh, spread out. That's the way it is. I mean, this is like, uh, now we're talking about butt cheeks, right? Yeah. You don't want them touching. Oh, fingers. We'll, we'll continue the conversation after we hear from the mm. title back. You know, to hear Bear Wyndham talk, Dusty Rose, the American dreams in a rocking chair sitting on the front porch. The bottom line on this thing, Bear Wyndham is I know your threshold for pain. I know how much pain you can stand. I know what your whipping point is. You remember that Dusty Rose, the American dream, and your daddy trained you from the time you were able to walk to be the United States heavyweight champion. Yeah, yeah. But we did not train you to steal the United States heavyweight wrestling championship belt. So... Now, then, if it's in an arena, if it's in a dressing room, if it's out on the street, I'm going to confront you in public, if you will, because it has to be done. 
Now you've got to think about two things, brother. You got to think about Dustin Rhodes now playing family. And Gary Hart used to put it the best when he said, let's play family. Well, families are me and you. This is between me and you. This is the Great American Bash. This is the National Wrestling Alliance. There is no other. There is no better. There is no greater organization in the world. Lex Luger said it best. I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of waiting. Let's get it done. So Bear Wyndham and all your many fans, let's get it done. Confrontation. Oh, one-on-one, -on -one. how sweet it will be. This old man, as you call him, in that rocking chair, gonna jump out of there and strangle you by the neck because Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, will be the United States heavyweight wrestling champion in public, in public, on the air, if you will. So remember this, BW. The American dream lives stronger than ever. And the great American bash will take its toll, not on me, on you, mentally, physically, and any way you want to look at it, because I'm always ready. Always ready. Ben Wyndham, J.J. Dillon, Tully Blanchard in Houston. I'm going to start with you Friday night. Calf killing Baba around the ring. Then, and only then, will it begin the great American Bash is now on us, and I'm ready for it, Jack. Calf-killing barbed wire. I've never heard it called that before, but I love it. Mm. That's the new deal, man. How about this tag team, too? Dr. Death teaming with Nikita Koloff. If that ain't a couple of badass-looking dudes, I don't know what wow. it is. Yeah. So as a reminder, just to catch everybody up, Dusty Rhodes recently returned from suspension. We just covered it not too long ago. Of course, he was out here. Uh, swinging that baseball bat, he wound up getting suspended. Right. So he's back officially, as you can tell. Uh, Barry Windham has just won a tournament uh, to crown uh, a new U.S. champion just a few weeks back. And uh, of course, the uh, Great American Bash Tour, as you've heard over and over and over, starts at the end of the month. But it's a little crazy that they haven't been plugging a ton. Uh, this this whole Clash of the Champions too that's happening the following Wednesday, and I think it's fun to think about in hindsight too. We're watching a Saturday wrestling show on TBS and people are like, oh, I don't know if that'll work. Worked forever. Smarty. And now, you know, they're, they're doing their clash of the Champions special on TBS on a Wednesday, huh? A Turner wrestling show on a Wednesday and a Saturday that'll never work. No. Uh, meanwhile, over in the WWF, just to remind everybody, Ted DiBiase is challenging the world champ, the WWF heavyweight champion, Randy Savage, all across the loop. And that's happening because Hulk Hogan is off making no holds barred during the summer, uh, on the other channel as well. We've got honky tonk man representing the intercontinental title demolition of the tag champs. Rick rude is feuding with, uh, Jake Roberts, uh, the big boss man who we saw here as big Bubba Rogers. He's about to debut as are the rockers the week prior to this Owen Hart would, uh, win the new Japan junior heavyweight championship and, uh, their big belt is held up because Fujinami and Choshi went to a no contest on this same day. This is airing uh, jumbo Saruta is going to be in tag team action against, uh, Tenru and another partner. So there's lots of fun stuff happening in wrestling. 
but this it hits me in my feels when I think about this. And I don't know if you considered yourself a basketball fan in this era, but what a series this was. The NBA finals are about to begin and it's the Los Angeles Lakers showtime taking on the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas and his crew, Bill and beer and all those badasses from Detroit, bad and boys, the Lakers and the Pistons. That was good stuff. This was a, this was a very good time. And, and it's, it's really unique. If you think about pro wrestling, uh, compared it to today where the studio show was big for, for WCW or NWA or Jim yes. Crockett promotions. Yes. And the syndicated shows were big for the WWE or the WWF at that time, superstars and challenge. Those were the big, those were the big tapings they would go out and do like every three or four weeks. And now take a look at what's going on now. Everything is like live, right? And so the, it, it it's really changed and it, and it very much was still an arena business back then. I know we brought this up many times where these matches, and this was just to get you to buy tickets. And now it's to get you to come back to watch TV the very next week to get ratings, live shows. And I mean, we're going to be doing a live show Wednesday and Saturday. And you can imagine, you know, the expense that that entails. Um, and the WWE does it on Fridays and Mondays. And back then they were only going out and doing stuff every three or four weeks. So the expenses have gone up obviously with everything else and the, the look of wrestling and the way wrestling is presented pro wrestling has changed dramatically Yes, from, from 88 until now. It's, it's amazing to see the, to see the evolution of pro wrestling. It really is. Dr. Death, pick it up an easy win here, light work or so it would seem. Uh, and, uh, we're going to hear from him. I always love Chateau. Let's see what we get in a Dr. Death promo. It's going to be can't miss. Did you get any of that so far? No. Yeah. A lot of memories. That's where the USF camp started. That's where I started a lot of tensity. You know, the other day, David, I drove up in my 57 pick-em-up truck up to the Dream's house. I hugged that old blowhorn. An old Dream come running out. I said, Dream, come on, Dream. Come with me. Let's go get a soda down at the country store. So he jumped in the old 57 with his little girl, Michelle. We went up the road to the country store. Had our soda, went across the tracks. And all of a sudden, you seen four big studs. Four, four big studs sitting on the other side of the road tracks. Thinking, just thinking in their mind that they were going to cross it to cross us. Well, let me tell you something. They all four looked like the four horsemen to me. Nowadays, I eat, sleep, and think the four horsemen. Rick Flair, Barry Windham who crossed the track. Let me tell you something, boys. 
all the gang who's with us. We're not hard men to find. And I guarantee you one thing, we ain't backing down at the great American basis. Intensity, shape, condition, boys, you better get back in the gym and start pumping the weights and get on the track because we're coming. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, the powers of pain are coming up next. Tony, they're going to take a break. I think we should too. I'm going to stop it down at 12. All right. 40, 12. There it is. We'll take a break right here and remind everybody what Dr. Death was talking about there. Shame conditioning, blah, blah, blah. Of course, <laughs> who's going to approach life that way? Tony and I do what we can. And it starts with a scoop of AG one every single day. Maybe you're looking for better gut health or more energy, or maybe you want to optimize your immune system. Well, let me give you the pro tip here. With one delicious scoop of AG1, buddy, you're getting 75 different high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, literally everything you need to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients to support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging, all of the things, and it's also lifestyle-friendly. Whether you're doing keto or paleo, maybe you're vegan or dairy or gluten-free, well, AG1 still for you. It's got less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. And somehow, man, it still tastes good. It's going to support better sleep quality and recovery, better mental clarity and alertness. Think of it as like your all-in-one nutritional insurance. And don't just take our word for it. These guys have more than 7,000 five-star reviews. So you know they're the real deal. And right now, Tony can tell you how to get a great deal as well. It's time to reclaim your health right now and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It is just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five-feet travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com WHW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com WHW. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I love it. I think you will too. And I can't wait to uh, see what's next on this program. We're getting ready for clash of the champions too. Miami mayhem. It's just four days away and we're at 40 minutes and 12 seconds. Here we go. And three, two, one play. A look at the world six-man tag team champions, the powers of pain, and Ivan Koloff against Dave Starr, Rick Paradise, and Tony Suber. And you know when you think about the powers of pain and Ivan Koloff, you're talking about a team bet on total destruction. That's our motive. You're exactly right. Big physical team. Ivan Koloff, the captain of this trio, two 300-pound partners, young, aggressive, physical individuals, and they are bent on the physical destruction. Uh, perhaps the most physical team in wrestling, the awesome Road Warriors. And no one has ever inflicted, Tony, the physical pain on the Road Warriors like the three men uh, the, the three men we're seeing here now, the reigning six-man world tag team champions. Out of the floor goes Paradise. And the Warlord grabs him, picks him up, and slams him. Right out of the concrete floor, Jim. Man, this is a these guys care care not for their opponents in any respect whatsoever. 
reigning six-man tag team champions of the world. It will be a challenge for these three individuals. And so, Tony, listen, I know everything's good with you and JR now, but tell the yeah. truth. What was your relationship like back here? Were you feeling threatened that he was in the booth? Well, when he first came in, I was not sure exactly uh, how they would use me. Because mm -hmm. there's there's always... It, it's still it's still today, there's that paranoia in wrestling. And, and I, I think it, I don't know, I just think it comes back from the old days about, you know, not trusting promoters or whatever. But, uh, you know, still back then, let's see, I was doing wrestling full time now and not doing baseball. Still back then, I wanted to do baseball. Uh, I was in wrestling because there was more money in, in, in baseball. And, you know, we had, let's see, we had three children by then. Wait a minute. I think we, by 88, we had all five children. So I had bills to pay, but, but I wanted to do baseball, but I know that baseball on the minor league level was not, and I had applied for baseball jobs, even though I was doing wrestling. So did I feel threatened by JR? At first I did, but then I got to know him and I realized that he was really easy to work with. And he was a good advisor to me. I never, I, some of the things he said to me, I'll never will forget. Like, and I talked about it in the, in the comic book about how He's basically the one that negotiated my contract uh, when uh, WCW took over from Jim Brokaki Promotions. But he talked he talked to me a lot of things. He said, you always got to think you're the very best announcer in wrestling. He said, I do. He said, and you need to think that way too, or you shouldn't be doing it. So uh, I always admired how outspoken he was, how confident he was in his ability. Um, and um, so once I got to know him, our friendship kind of superseded any concern I had about him taking over. I think that David was probably more upset about JR's involvement than I was. Really? Yeah. Okay. Although David never said it, if you listen to this, it's David and I doing the, I mean, it's Jim and I doing the commentary. Yeah, he's out. He's out and he's just doing the interviews. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that he thought that Jr. came in and broke up the the uh, Crockett Shivani team, which in effect he did. So I, I I don't know if David said anything about it, and I don't think he ever did. But I got the feeling that he did. That he was more upset about Jr. being there than I was. I bring that up because you know we're we've been talking a lot about on our pod network eighty eight and ninety eight. And when we talk about 98, that was that whole grandstand challenge that Bischoff did where he was hoping that, uh, Vince McMahon would show up to slam Marie for a fight. And of course we knew that wasn't going to happen. Right. But you guys saw a limousine show up a big white limousine and on commentary, you said something like, well, no, it's Vince. If Jim Ross gets out carrying his bags. Right. Right. And Meltzer said. If you think that's just a one-off, you'd be mistaken. There's yeah. been a lot of heat going back to the Crockett takeover, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was, the narrative was put out there in the observer that you did not get along with Jr. And that yeah. really became public knowledge, if you will, in 98. Do you want to yeah. set the record straight on that? Yeah, that's bull. That's a lie. And that's bullshit. Okay. When I first went to the WWF, I, I wrote Jim a nice letter about how much he meant in my career. Now, Jim and I did not stay in contact with each other because you know how I am, right? Once I just, I just don't stay in contact with people. Uh, 
that, no, we didn't. We did not have any heat. We we didn't. That that's a that's a that's a lie. That is a lie by Dave Meltzer. Is what that is, and there's no basis for that at all. And I just, um, I I got along with Jim, and I and I I admired him. And listen, uh, I said that in '98 because I thought it was part of the wrestling wars. You know, it was us against them, right? And right. it's one of those things where I thought up something smart ass to say, you know, on the on the spur of the moment. And I thought up a lot of those smart ass things to say on the spur of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. When they came out with the Oklahoma character, we all laughed and snickered about it. Because that was what we did, that was that was part of the war. But real realistically, no. I don't know how he feels about me. I'm I'm sure he feels the same way. We've always had a very good friendship, so um, yeah, that, that's a lie. There was no heat. And you know, it, it's, it's funny. I remember seeing a, an interview that Cornette did about how Tony Schiavone ran off because, uh, ran off to the WWF because, uh, he was pissed off. He wasn't the number one announcer and, and he, uh, that's not true. Oh, no, that's not true. It, it, I, I didn't want to work for Jim Hurd, number one. And number two, Vince McMahon offered me a lot more money. Well, that'll and, do it. Yeah, and I wanted to. I wanted to try. I thought, wow, let's try something different, right? Let me ask you this: Would you try that again if perhaps uh, the Khan family got into the pizza business and Vince offered you more money? <laughs> I no, 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 no. It's 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 well established here at the Shivani household uh, that Lois Shivani has said, if I uh, even think about going to the WWE, she'll divorce me. That's great news, Tony. Yeah, 40 years, but you figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as we hang up, I'm texting Bruce. But first, a word from Iden. Well, you to me, you don't do. Paul Elwood, what are you hiding like a bunch of rats in your gym? Hiding from the powers of pain, Paul Jones Army, Ivan Koloff. Are you afraid? No one's going to injure you for the third time. Total destruction. We have found out in the past. All America, all the world, that the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, can be heard and were heard by the powers of pain. Not once, not once in Greensboro, but two times they were heard. They felt the wrath, the wrath of the power of pain, the power of the use of the chair. Sure, they say that we cheat, we break the rules, but we don't care. We want results. We are winners. We are champions. And during the great American bash, the only thing it shows me, Paul Elry and Road Warriors, that you are idiots. You are not using your brain. You better keep hiding in the cracks of your gym, hiding like fools that you are. Because if you come against the power of pain, again, like you are going around saying that you're going to get revenge during the great American bash, inside the cage, the Tower of Doom, scaffold matches. We know you've got thick heads, you've got big bodies, a lot of muscles. But when you drop 20 feet down onto the concrete, you're going to splash open just like a watermelon. And you're going to find out one more time, three times and out, Road Warriors. Total destruction. That is what we are after, led by Paul Jones. You see, everybody knows their position. Like in every team, every team sport. We know exactly what we have to do. We work like technicians, like a unit. 
And when it comes to great American matches, we are excited. We are ready for you, Road Warriors, Garvin, Dusty Rhodes, Dr. Death, Nikita, anybody. These two big powers of men, nobody can stop. All right, the Great American Bash coming your way. Boy, that is some cheesy music they're piping in for the varsity club. But, mm. man, Ivan Koloff was just rapid fire right there, was he not? Yeah, man. It was. Ivan, Ivan was really good. I mean, he was really old at this time, right? But he was really good. You know, and two, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, you know, this is the Ivan we got to see. Right. We didn't get to see the Ivan who caused riots when he beat Bruno San Martino when, at a time when nobody beat Bruno. I mean, right. that was a big deal. And that's still in his rearview mirror, but he's still on TV and he still got value because you got some big old muscle heads there who, might not be able to cut a promo, but the Canadian Russian can. Did you ever see when, uh, Ivan it's out there somewhere. Um, uh, when Ivan, uh, dropped the, the strap to Pedro Morales in New <laughs> York city. Uh, and of course, you know, big Puerto Rican fan base in New York city, right? That was, that had all the makings for just a big time event. When he, when Pedro won it, the, all the policemen jumped up on the apron and faced the fans, you know? Yeah. And he was celebrating the ring and the fans were going crazy. What a big moment that was. So Ivan was a big time heel up in New York at one time, as we know, as you said. Well, we, uh, we should talk about what else is going on here in 1988. Um, I got the top three movies from the time period, but before we do, I want to do some questions. Uh, this is a fun one from Matt Godfrey. Does Tony remember this Cornette story? Cornette was eating a Wendy's cheeseburger and had the grease dripping down to his elbow and Luger looked at him like he was about to be sick. When Jim asked him, when did you last have a cheeseburger? And Luger responded, I had some fries about six months ago. I don't remember that story, but that doesn't sound too far fetched. Adam Leeson says, who did Tony think would eventually be the bigger star? So I want you to answer this with your 1988 brain. Okay. Tony, okay. who's going to be a bigger star, Barry Windham, or Lex Luger, Lex Luger. I thought so too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dustin wants to know, do you think Lex could have had a better career if he hadn't left the horseman as early as he did? That's an interesting question. Mm. What if he would have stuck around with the horseman a bit longer and then done the whole kick out angle, maybe a year or two after this, what, what do you think about that? That's hard to predict. I'm going to say no. That's really hard to go back and wrap my brain around that one. Uh, Jamie says Barry Wyndham as a baby face was great. How much greater was heel Wyndham? It was like the promos got better and ring was just as stellar, but what did you think of the claw finish? I know it was blackjacks, but it just didn't seem to fit as well as the superplex, which he executed flawlessly with the float over. Yeah, well, being a blackjack fan growing up, I I love the the claw and I love the black glove, so I was all for it. Brad Stanton gets us. He says, "Which Wyndham would you rather see in a G string, Barry or Kendall?" Uh, Kendall. Kendall had those nice slender legs. Alrighty, you put some real thought into that one. Uh, Bobby wants to know, Tony, what are your thoughts on the clashes? Did you think they were quote unquote giveaways when they should have been pay-per-view type shows? I thought they were, there's a part of me that thought they were 
they should have been pay-per-view shows. But there was also a part of me that realized it was important to continue to have good ratings for TBS and give them good shows. So um, I, I really thought they were they were good for giveaways. Well, Kevin Sullivan just took the desk and threw it at an opponent. He's an, he's another crazy man in the ring. You know that, don't you? See, that you can't work that stomp that he just did. Here's uh, another attempt as we continue our stretch here, mm. trying to get you divorced. Okay. He wants to know, Tony, how many women did you have sex with in wrestling and how many threesomes were you in and who was the women? Uh, zero, zero. I don't think I've ever had one of those. I, I hope. Well, you never had a threesome. Mm -mm. Oh, we can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can. No, I'll I'm get sure Taz and, uh, and JR on it. You, you degenerate you. They've been uh, on you around for years. Yeah, right. What, you, what, what? I guess, oh. that, you know, here we go. Let's track it. As I mentioned, uh, already in the program this past week, I had the destruction before this is getting ready for the great American pass. I hear people talking about intensity. Well, look at these eyes. That's intensity. There ain't no lollygagging. You understand? Intensity starts right here. Look at honesty and intensity. I want to talk to you about what I saw a little bit of this past week, your brainchild, the Tower of Doom. Tell us a little bit about the Tower of Doom. We waited a long time for this information. Three cages stacked upon one another, Jim Ross. Do you know only what I'm talking about? You're talking about three three cages. We've seen one cage cages before. Three cages stacked one on top of the other. Yeah, and it's, and it's real simple. You see, there's ten men, five on each side, and the rules are real easy. Ten men enter, five men leave. And you start one at a time. One man from each team starts yeah, because at the bottom of the cage? No, you got to get a ladder, and you got to run up to the top, and run up to the top on the other side. And you get to be in that cage. Let me tell you, Ross, you get to be in that cage for two minutes. And then a bell rings, and you can open the trap door and jump down. You can jump down away from your opponent. You, both men come to, both participants come down from the top cage to the second cage. How long is this trap door open, as a matter of fact? For 10 seconds, you understand that means that maybe only one man gets down. And then another man comes and it's two on one. <laughs> I'm sure you would like that situation. You, you created this thing where you could have a two on one situation, it sounds to me like. I've created where you can have a two on one, a three on one, a four on one, or a five on one. What I've created is total destruction. They can talk about cage matches. That's full. They can talk about Indian death matches, that's bull. They can talk about any tensions they want to see. But if you want to see total destruction, total annihilation, you come to see the Tower of All right, we've talked about the top of the cage. Yeah. We talked about going to the second cage. Yeah. What's going to be in the very bottom cage? What's in the bottom of the cages, you see, for a team to win, all five, which almost will be impossible, all five members have to get out their door, and that door is unlocked by none other then my squeeze. Patty will be in the bottom of the cage with the key. You see, when my team gets out, it'll be all over, Jimmy Gavin. You see, he made a big mistake. Now she knows that when she does the key and turns it for me and opens the door, finally, me and her get to be alone in Baltimore. You see, Jimmy Gavin? I've had this plan for a long time, and she has too. And Jimmy Garvin, I want to see one thing. I'm going to make it real clear to you. And whoever you pick as your partners will be this. 
When I get through with you, I may not get you in the first cage, and I may not get you in the second cage. But when I get you in the third cage, Jimmy Garvin, I'm going to make you king of the land of the blind. You know why? Because the one-eyed man is king, Gavin. Your eye belongs to me. You've looked at something for a long time that belongs to me. In Baltimore, Tower of Doom, intensity will rage, and I'm going to wear it. Right here, Jimmy Gavin, on the end of my keychain. <laughs> so what you're saying here is that you hope to leave five bodies laying all over 40 feet up and down where you can walk out of the bottom of the cage with precious. You know, for someone from that so from Oklahoma, you're not so stupid. You understand? I'm going to walk out with precious. I'm going to pick her up and put her in my arms and lead her back. Because precious, this one's for you. We're talking three cages over 40 feet high, ladies and gentlemen, the Tower of Doom, and we'll be back with more on the Superstation right after this timeout. All right, so the Tower of Doom gimmick is kind of bad, but... They sold it right there. They sold it right there, and Kevin Sullivan was selling it hard, and man, that whole, you'll be the the king of the blind island. You know why? Because you're only going to have one eye. Mm. Uh, Man, that was was some decent stuff, and I like this is the second time we've joined matches in progress. Right. When we come back, we're seeing, uh, Jimmy Garvin just absolutely waylay and wear out poor Bobby Rose. Uh, and he's going to be, uh, he's fired up here over those, uh, those words. And I guess we're going to hear from him on a promo afterwards, but this was a good angle, man. They had some real heat here. Yeah, they did. I wonder if the, the network uh, cut this, cut the entrance out for time or something happened where they just cut it out without playing sharp dress man or what, you know? Well, if you remember, we came back from a match earlier. And, and Mike Rotunda was wearing somebody out and you said, this is for the world television title. This is the television champion. So you were okay. like, rattling off. makes me right. trying something go. new here. Yeah. Uh, the top three movies at the box office we teased earlier. You want to guess 1988, just take a stab. Two were sequels. One uh, was Tom Hanks. One was with Tom Hanks mm-hmm. in 88. Would mm-hmm. that been, would that have been big? You nailed it. All right. One down two were sequels. Okay. One is starring Sylvester Stallone. Okay. So that would have been a Rocky movie. Rambo three. Oh, Rambo three. Okay. And the other one would have been back to the future three or two. Crocodile Dundee two. Oh, okay. I was not a big crocodile Dundee guy, but, uh, it was okay. Yeah. There's still a line that, that I remember from crocodile Dundee. That's, That's not, not a knife. knife. This That's is a knife. knife. Yeah. Everybody remembers that one. Uh, Bill Knight, friend of the show, mm, a lot to say here. He says 1988, last great year of JCP. Actually, more specifically, the last year of JCP. That, he's right about that. Uh, the Barry heel turn on Lex and Jacksonville, and subsequently joining the Horsemen, really changed the course of history in JCP, and started the wheels rolling on what would be an all-time fever pitch of a summer. I equate 88 JCP to an old saying that Ole Anderson once said. The light burns brightest right before it burns out. <laughs> JC, JCP never burned brighter than that year. Three pay-per-views, three clashes, the Crockett Cup, the Bash 88 Tour. Yeah, it was the last year, but it was a great one. Mm. That's cool that fans remember this year so fondly. Yeah, it is. And uh, as an old man looking at it back right now, it doesn't really seem in many ways that long ago. And then many ways, many ways it does. Boy, he, uh, Jimmy took care of the guy that time. I mean, Jimmy took all the praying and pressure on his own asshole. And he sure did. 
Speaking of assholes, let's hear from him here. He's fired up about Kevin Sullivan being an asshole about his wife. Jimmy, you signed the contract. I put my name on the contract, David Crockett, because I didn't care. Because I don't care right now. For me to stand out here and tell everybody that's been watching me for years that I have a slight problem would be the greatest understatement in the century. Now, I'm telling you, I don't want to repeat myself, but I want to make one thing clear. She's standing here with me now because she's my wife. The ring that I wear is the one she gave to me. And when I repeated my vows to the preacher, I meant every one of them. I want you, Kevin Sullivan, to come out right now and show me and the people. Don't tell me. Tell the people what you told her. Because it's obvious. It's obvious that she's hot at me. It's obvious she's out here due to a commitment to Jim Crockett promotions. But it's like she's here, but she's not here in my heart, Kevin Sullivan. And like my brother Ronnie Garvin said, if you go in the ring and you get beat up, that's okay. Because that's supposed to be that way. If I go in there and I get beat up, I'll take my beating like a man. If I go in there and beat somebody up, then he better take his like a man. But when you start messing with the people's women, the women of the Garvin family, then you're messing with something very dangerous. And if for one minute, Kevin Sullivan, if for one minute I find out that this has anything to do with the little ones, I'll kill you. It's that simple. I don't care about what I'm not supposed to say or what I'm supposed to say on national TV. I'm not out here swearing. I'm not saying I'm going to do things that are terrible and a bad influence on people. But I'm telling you that I'm a man in love with my woman. And I don't care how many cages. I don't really understand I don't really understand how you're supposed to start at the top and go to the middle. And I understand one thing. I understand one thing, Kevin Sullivan. I'll kill you. I'll take your fingers. If you ever touch my wife again, I'll take your fingers and I'll break every one of them. Anybody standing out here right now that thinks they're man enough to come up and touch this woman, then let him come on up because I'll break every one of the fingers. I'll break your hands. And if I can't do it, my brother Ronnie will do it. In between my brother and myself. And I don't care who's in a cage. I don't care if there's a hundred people in a cage. I care about one person being in that cage, Kevin Sullivan, and that's you. And like I said, you're no good. You're a chicken. Come out here. Tell the people, tell David Crockett, whatever you told her or whatever you showed her, you tell me. I ain't a saint. I may have come home a little bit late once in a while, but she forgive me for that. Whatever you told her, Pally, she ain't really wanting to forgive me. And I'm going to get you quick. Could this be Jimmy Garvin's Tower of Doom? Could be this the end of Jimmy Garvin? We'll find out. More action right after this. Dude, is it just me or is that Jimmy Garvin's best promo of his life? Of his life. And not only that, Patty did a hell of a job facially selling that, didn't she? Not only did she do a great job, but that the yeah. cameraman picked it up and we just, yeah. we didn't have to see him. Her face told the story. Yep. Listen, we watch a lot of silly shit on this show. That was not one of them. Go out of your way to see that. That was unbelievable. You're at ringside here with the Fantastics, but I just cannot put over that promo enough. Just 10 out of 10. Let's take Very a listen well to what Bobby Fulton saying. Every time we get in a match with the Midnight Express, Cornet seems to interfere one way or another. That's why we've got this straight jacket because Cornet is going to end up in this straight jacket. And when it happens, brother, and when we get done beating the Midnight Express, Tommy, then Jimmy is going to be standing over there helpless inside this straight jacket. And you can know what we could do anything we want to Jimmy Cornet. That's right. You know, David, you know, Tony, 
we went down to the rubber room of the puzzle factory and borrowed this off of somebody because we know, Jimmy Cornett, if we don't put this in on you, that you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. And we're just tired of seeing that racket across our back, the human tennis balls that we've been, or that belt across our back. So, Jimmy Cornett, once you're in this, I don't think there's no way, I know there's no way that you can hold that tennis racket or a leather strap. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing him in it because I know David and Tony, I know you're looking forward to seeing him in it because he's going to look like the biggest whip and the biggest goof you've ever seen. And, and that thing really works. You know, I, I've never seen one of those, only in the movies. I've never seen one of the, that thing will actually get him to where he can't use a tennis racket or anything like that. Believe you me, Tony. Really hey, me, David. We can show him, Tommy, right here. Let's just show him exactly. What it's all about. Would you like to see it, baby? Tell me. I don't, yeah, I don't want to put yeah, it on. The guy showed us. Oh, you want to You can put it on me. That'll be okay. Put it on me. Are you going to take the jacket off? Yeah, I'll take it all off. Okay. Well, okay. I really, go ahead. First hand right here. I tell you, I never put one of these on, so it might take a few seconds if the people are bringing with us. I understand. Go ahead. This one, right? Yeah. You don't put this like on an ordinary coat, no. like, like Jimmy, Jimmy Cornette's hand-me-downs. Yeah, from uh, Salvation Army or anything, you this know. This goes on like this. This goes on backwards to start it out. And this will incapacitate someone, yes. David. There's no it's doubt. Look at it. Okay. And now you got you got three you got three straps to go across the back. Yikes. Three straps on the three, back? Three straps on the back, Tony. Exactly. And this is so tight. I, once you put it on somebody, I know they're very, you know, not going to be able to move because it's so tight on my shoulders and stuff right now that uh, – it's tight. It's getting tight. It'll I'll touch the window way. Put on a couple of them just to show the people. Okay. Yeah. Putting mm -hmm. cornet in the straitjacket. What do you do with the arms now? Yeah. What about the arms? Okay. The arms cross in front of you here. This way, right? This way, right around here. And the step comes around here. Do you remember what's going to happen here? Because this is well done television. <laughs> Well, I, I think Cornette and them come out and beat him up. Tommy Rogers is demonstrating how a straight jacket works and what they're going to do to Jim Cornette. And he's tying up his tag team partner. Uh-huh. Now, of course, if you've ever watched a movie before, uh -huh. you know, what's coming, but this is so well done because I could see how you do want to demonstrate because people, you know, this is 88. Yeah. People have heard of a straight jacket, but they don't yeah. really know what to expect. Let's track yeah. it. See the big payoff here. <laughs> He puts the tennis racket. Right straps come down around the legs too, so he makes sure he, he ain't gonna get away from feet. <laughs> well, damn it! Wouldn't you know it? Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express just came out and destroyed both of them because one guy's <laughs> literally got his hands tied up. So <laughs> this is classic old school heel shit. I love it, man. I do too. Look at Cornette wearing him out. Oh, great working punches by Jim too, huh? Wow, Jim knew how to throw a working punch. He grew up watching Memphis, man. Yeah. You watch Jackie Fargo and and uh Jerry Jarrett and certainly mm -hmm. Jerry Lawler enough. It's gonna rub off on you. They're taking a break. We're not going to. We're gonna ride on through. Huh. I understand uh Gary Hart's coming up next, man. This has been a sleeper of a show, man. Yeah, like it's four, good stuff. four days away from the clash. Doesn't feel like we're Hyping the clash a ton, but we're getting a little bit here and there. And now we're going to hear from Gary Hart. He has a totally different style. Terrific. I think that uh, Jimmy Carnett picked the right time and the right spot. The way that I plan to pick the right time and the right spot. And it's getting very close. Week after week, I've heard Nikita Koloff come out here and talk about Al Perez and Gary Hart. Well, you see where I come from in Chicago. You don't talk about doing something. You do the deed. 
then you talk about it. The Great American Bash is coming. And what is going to take place to Nikita, we are going to make such an impression upon you in a very short time that you will never have the guts to come out on TV and ever say anything about Al Perez or Gary Hart again. Because you remember something, Russian. This is not your country. We did not adopt you. We do not want you. And I've said this before, but I think it has to be very, very clear. I want to use an analogy. The other night I was in an arena and I heard the people hollering at Barry Windham that Barry Windham was a traitor. Well, let's think who really are the traitors when the American public is so brainwashed that they cheer for a stinking, lousy, low-life Russian like yourself, Nikita. That is a traitor. And anybody that will raise their voice and scream for Nikita, you are nothing more than a hypocrite. And I don't think that you should ever say anything about Barry Windham, a fine young American. If you really want the truth of the matter, it is this. Dusty Rhodes, you know that you turned against Barry Windham. You also know you are the one that brought Nikita, got him to defect. So remember something, very soon in the very near future, David, Nikita may not be here. It's a good possibility because as I said, from where I come from on Halstead Street in Chicago, we do it right. And when we do it, I'm gonna just, I think I've said enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the ring and watch these men in action. His men are out. All right, so that didn't really go anywhere like I thought it would. But uh... No, but he was always a good promo. He really was. And I guess in this show where there have been a lot of good promos before him, it probably didn't resonate. Yeah, it's a little harder to stand out. That makes sense. He was also during this time, and I think this was after the time, uh, he was also the book of a world class, mm. uh, Gary Hart was, while he was working for Jim Crockett Promotions, which we thought was unique. And I think he was probably the booker during the uh, – the free birds, uh, run. Yeah. So Gary Hart knew what he was doing in the business. Always liked Gary. I thought that Fu Manchu always gave him an Asian type look though. Didn't it? It did a little bit. Yeah. I could see that. Right. Uh, and of course he, he was the manager of one of the great Asian wrestlers of his time. The great Kabuki, right? Yes. And the, and Muda and Muda. Absolutely. So. Motor did a thing. Motor did a thing or two. Yeah. Al Perez is like, I think he was an underused star or, you know, I, I know we've talked about him before, but man, he looked good. And yeah. we just never did anything with him. You know, I just by his look, I thought he could be a big star. Well, they tried. Yeah. They tried to give him a feud with Sting. He said no. Yeah, that's right. We talked about that, didn't we, on earlier, earlier podcasts. It is crazy do. when you think, you know, Hey, we'd like to have you feud with the world champ. We're going to have you headline pay-per-views. You're going to, you're going to be in there with the top guy. Right. No, thanks. Yeah, I know. You know, it's like Jr. always says though. It's all about cash and creative. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, this is your chance. What are you doing? Yeah. It's funny when you look at the creative that goes on and and what it takes to, to put together a wrestling show and how many people who are not in the business really don't understand what it takes to put on the wrestling show. Sometimes 
you have to put on a wrestling show creatively mm-hmm. based on what's available sometimes. Yes. We have showed up to TV a lot of times, and this is not only in this era in AEW, but back in the Crockett days and even WCW with what you had in your mind you wanted to do, you couldn't do it because the person wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Mr. Flight was sick, was hurt. Those things really come into play. And uh, it's amazing how people say, well, I would have done it this way. Well, you know what? Yeah, you would have done this this way if all if everything that you wanted to do was was available. It's not always available. That's right. It's it's just amazing that so it, what it takes to put on a wrestling show creatively throughout time, uh, unless you've done it before, you have no freaking idea, none. And that's why I've always appreciated this business. I think. As much anything else, working with the athletes and the wrestlers, but just also, you know, working with people who create the TV shows, uh, what they got to do with it. Now, I don't really lend much creative, uh, creatively to what goes on. Um, I try to, you know, make sure that what's done creatively gets gets done. But as far as me creating stuff, I, I've never tried to do that much of it because I don't think I can do it. It's It's a hell of a job, man. And creative is subjective, you know. I mean, that's the thing I think a lot of people miss. Um, yeah. Larry Zabisco and Al Perez get the win here over Gary Phelps and Dale. And I think coming up next, we got a Sting match. Well, uh, and then maybe a uh, Sting promo, and then a little Arn and Tully, and hmm. maybe a little Horseman promo to close. Man called strong Sting. here on man, man, dun, dun. man called Sting. Dun, dun. That's still a cool song, isn't it? It is a cool song. By the way, I want to remind everybody you get not one, but two separate pieces of bonus content every single month on our WHW Patreon. And as soon as Tony and I finish this, we're going to watch some real silly stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tony, tell everybody what silly stuff we're watching this month on WHW Patreon. Okay. Well, this month, uh, thanks to a couple of our, uh, a very, uh, very good low key big hogs. And by the way, if you're a low key big hog, you can, uh, you can choose the bonus content. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a look at Kurt Angle against Triple H from the Royal Rumble of 2001. And then we're going to take a look at WrestleMania 9 with uh, the Giant Gonzalez against The Undertaker. Those are our two bonuses for this month. My goodness. Mm. I'm looking forward to Giant Gonzalez against The Undertaker. You'll regret saying that soon. <laughs> I, I know that. Kurt Angle and Triple H are going to give us some some entertaining moments, but we'll see what happens. One thing I can say is God bless the Undertaker for this one. Right? Mm. Uh, Sting, uh, his opponent here, Tommy Royal. How would you describe Tommy Royal for the fans who weren't watching along with us? Uh, he would. He looks like a very very fat Tommy Rich. You kind of nailed it. You know, I wasn't really sure. (laughs) I was like, how would you do it? Did you see after, after day? uh, That was hilarious. Go out of your way to watch what we just did. Sting is ramming his head into the top turnbuckle. He gets several going and then Sting pulls away, stops ramming his head into the turnbuckle, talks to referee Teddy long. And the guy continues to ram his own head into the top turnbuckle as if he's got him in some sort of, uh, a vortex here where he can't stop it. And there it is. Scorpion Deathlock gets it done. Uh, so we get the splash, then the Deathlock, 
And now David Crockett is going to get up here on the uh, apron to do a bit of an interview. And I think Sting's even going to start calling some shots here. Oh, yeah. Sting sort of come into his own, you know, on the build to the match with uh, Nate in March. And now he's in the main event just four days after this and uh, wrestling second from the top here on TV. Let's take a listen to what he's going to say to uh, Mr. Crockett. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to South Sting. I love to see an instant replay every time. But, you know, the Great American Bashers, I'm going to be even more excited. Everybody's talking about intensity. I'm more intense than most people are in their sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and the Great American Bashers, okay, okay. You got people down here pointing to which camera to look at. I don't care which camera to look at. I look out at these people if I want to. I'm looking at people out at the Great American Bashers, too. I might even look at you cross-eyed, I'll admit it. I'm the first one to admit it. I'm maybe a little bit goofy. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe a lot goofy, but I always got myself straight in the line. You know what I mean? Barry Wyndham and the Four Horsemen and Doodly Squat and all that kind of stuff. The Great American Bashes. I, I can't wait, David. Oh, my. Oh, I can't say that. I just can't wait. We'll talk to you later. All right. There's no other. Listen, intensity matters. He didn't say much, but he was excited about it. And that just becomes infectious. It's like a yawn, right? Yeah, right. I, he was, and that's why he became such a star because of his intensity. Well, he, we, we drew to, uh, to that from that. I like, he, he said, I'm more intense than most people are asleep. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense at all, but it worked, right? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if you say it with conviction, we'll buy it. We'll believe it. Right. It's crazy that that's the way it works, but boys and girls, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Yeah. So uh, here we go. We got our main here event here. It's Arn and Tully uh, with JJ in their corner. And, uh, I believe afterwards we're going to get JJ, Arn Tully and Barry Windham at the podium. They're going to start plugging lots of stuff, including as you heard dusty talk about earlier, a barbed wire match in Houston, uh, flair has been, uh, on tour of course, as the NWA world champion. So he's not on the show, but you know, you're going to see him at the clash of the champions. And, and we should remind everybody that this is the era where Arn and Tully who a lot of people consider to be, especially with the benefit of hindsight, one of the greatest tag teams in history, they're going to test the waters. They're going to get a little frustrated with their payoffs here and decide to see, Hey, what happens if we go North mm-hmm. and, uh, they go check out the world wrestling federation. I can't help, but think and wonder sometimes, what if they never would have left? Like would Tully's whole life look a lot different. Mm, probably so. Isn't that interesting to think about? Yeah. Interesting about the turns they make. I, uh, boy, Varn doesn't look with that hair, look a lot like Brock, man. Dude, um, it's, it's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I, uh, how's Brock doing? I hadn't seen him in a little bit. And he came to TV, uh, last week and he's, he's doing fine. I think he, uh, I think he actually got a haircut from those blonde locks. He, uh, well, usually I'm fine. You know, that's been a tough time for the entire family, as you know. Yeah. I, 
you know, I was talking about the great tag teams or thinking about them. Maybe I talked about them on TV the other day. I don't know. And I brought Tully and Arn into it. We consider Tully and Arn one of the great tag teams, but in reality, they were not a tag team for a long period of time. Right. Arn was known as a, years at Arne, most. Right. Arn, uh, not as long as the Rock and Roll Express were tag. No, team, no. Or the, or the Midnight or any of the of no. the great teams, but Arn and Tully are in that in that conversation. Yes. And, and that's a that's a tribute to what they were able to accomplish during during that time. And not only that, if you go back to the uh, to SummerSlam, their match against the Hart Foundation opened up the show. It's one of the better opening matches you'll ever find on a pay-per-view. I loved it. Yeah, I did too. They just knew what to do. Oh, there's for TV reservations. How about that? You can actually come in and take a look at the show in person, be a part of the live studio audience. Right. I didn't do that a lot. That's cool. No. Telephone's not free, but the tickets are. That's right. There's what the fans enjoying the action. The telephone's not free. It's a 404 number, I'm sure. But the tickets yeah. are. But the tickets are. Remember long distance? <laughs> remember, remember collect calls? Remember 1-800-COLLECT? Remember 900 numbers? Remember phone booths? Whatever happened to all this stuff? Hey, you know, you know one of the most unused things ever? I don't even know why they still have it. Is uh, a, tele, a telephone in a hotel room. Yeah, nobody unless, uses those. Yeah, unless I you do it in case your cell phone dies and you got a medical event. Or you got to call the front desk or something. But yeah, it's like... There's a lot of times because of my CPAP machine, all that I got in the hotel, uh, that if I want to put it where the phone is, I'll unplug the phone, put it on the floor. It's in the way. Well, nobody was unplugging the phone in this era. They wanted to hope that on the other end, they could talk to a horseman. And you guys are about to do exactly that. Let's take a listen. We got all the group here, except for the nature boy. Let's see what JJ's got in store. You can see my boys are all geared up for the bash. We got some things to take care of first. This Friday in Houston, barbed wire around the ring, but you're talking about a native Texan and a double tough Texan in Tully Blanchard. The Nature Boy has been down in St. Martin at the Pelican Resort all week just as a warm-up to his big match coming up on the 13th right in St. Martin. Next day in St. Thomas on the 14th, the champ will be there. Barry Wyndham will be there. And we're just really building up the momentum is what it comes down to for the bass starting in Orlando on Sunday the 26th. All right, listen, besides that, you've got the Night Center, right? Wednesday, 8.05. You know, David Crockett, everybody wants to come out here and talk about bash this, bash that. You've got to take first things first. Wednesday night, 8.05, on the Superstation from Miami, Miami Mayhem. you got Sting and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, trying to take this from Arn and Tully. Well, my friends, you've got four days Prepare yourself mentally, physically, whatever you can do. Paint up a little extra sting. Put a little bit on Dusty to make an improvement. But you set foot in Miami, and you come after these, and we'll find out who the baddest of the bad are. David Duncan, I'm going to wrap this thing up in perspective. It's only I can do. You take the great American bashers. You want to have a lot of hoopla about cages. You want to stack them 3D. You want to call war games. You want to have double bull ropes? It all comes down to one thing. It's man against man, man against his brother. It's called double war. A lot of people, a lot of philosophers, Gene Dixon like to say, these are the end times. Men are turning against their sons, sons against their fathers. 
People are looking for something out there to re-enrich their life. Well, gentlemen, on the Great American Bashes 1988, it's the time for the horsemen to shine your feet. We manifest all our glory in what they call professional wrestling. There is no entertainment in it. There is no Hollywood in it. What it is is world champions defending their title like we only can when we are of the horsemen, the elite of this business. So that'll do it, man. The elite of the business. We're just four days away from clash of the champions two, which as you, uh, correctly pointed out, we've all recovered in the archives right around the corner as well from the great American bash, a lot of moving parts. And there's a lot of moving parts in 1993 where we'll be visiting next week. It's clash of the champions 23. It's hard to believe there were that many, but here we go. It'll be the Norfolk scope. With uh, Ron Simmons taking on Dick Slater, Buff Bagwell, or I'm sorry, Marcus Bagwell taking on Lord Stephen Regal, Max Payne uh, starting a program with Johnny B. Bad, Barry Windham defending his title against Two Cold Scorpio. That might have been Scorpio's only shot at the NWA title. Sting is going to team up with the British Bulldog and Dustin Rhodes to take on Vader, Rick Rude, and Sid Vicious, and a very epic two out of three falls match between the Hollywood Blinds and Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. This will actually be Rick's return to a WCW ring after going off to the world wrestling federation. And as it was at the time, the lowest rated clash in history. So we'll talk about all of that next week here on WHW, but right now, Tony, I feel like we should remind everybody we're just less than a month away from our first or our, 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 our annual, not our first, our annual low key, big hog slash top guy weekend get together. I can't believe this is real, but Huntsville is the location that was chosen. We did a poll. I said, Hey, Chicago, Hey, Nashville or Huntsville over 60% voted for Huntsville. So, uh, make your plan to join us. If you haven't already, if you sign up as an annual top guy over at adfreeshows.com, you'll be here and we will see you sooner rather than later. If your business targets men, 25 to 54 years old. No better place to advertise than right here on what happened when you hear some of the same ads over and over and over. Why is that? Well, because it really works. And with our targeted audience, there's very little waste. Go right now to advertise with whw.com and find out how easy and affordable it is to advertise on the show. Love to have your interaction on social, or at least I would, we know how Tony feels about it. It's at whw Monday on Twitter and Facebook over on Instagram. It's at whw podcast and the best way to support the show is go hit the like and subscribe button to our YouTube. It's WHW on youtube.com. Who could forget lots of funny, silly slap dick shit over at lowestrules.com. Something for everybody. That's all I got to say about that. The new halo shirt, the tips don't touch shirt. We had a lot of fun silliness today, Tony, but it looks like right now it's about that time. And very simply said, ladies and gentlemen, just like Jim Crockett promotions in 1988, just like Arn Anderson's waistline, just like Conrad Thompson's morality, we are desperately out of time. We'll see you next week on What Happened When. We come to you Wednesdays on Westwood One Cumulus, but Mondays we come to you ad-free exclusively for our great fans and followers on What's Your Own? Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday, and of course, adfreeshows.com. Fight Plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment. And they're now offering a free seven day trial at tryfight.com. 
Fight Plus is packed with a premium live event schedule, over a thousand hours of live action every year, and a library of more than 4,000 hours on demand, plus exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com. T-R-Y-F-I-T-E dot com. Hey guys, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On a bonus episode of Arn, the Enforcer watches back Beach Blast 92 with the ultimate heel and baby face in Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat. Draw me a baby face. Something that everybody could get behind. Kids, women, old folks, young folks, men, you know, all guys wanted to be him. Women, I'm sure, wanted to be with him. Uh, He was the all-around package. On volume 55 of the Ask Conrad series, Conrad talks about some of his dream podcast partners, including a couple of degenerates. You know, from inside the business and taking over and NXT and all that, I don't think you could get a better podcast partner than Triple H there, just because he's done so much. However, if you're talking about wanting to learn more about the psychology of wrestling and what makes a match and how to develop talent and all that, could you beat Shawn Michaels? Hey, that's just a small taste of what AdFree Shows has waiting for you, including a brand new perk, getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why AdFree Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. That's right. Sign up today at adfreeshows.com. 